Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. What up, fuckers? Welcome back. And let's talk about filial obligation again. Why? Well, because it is coming for all of us. And it is surrounding most of us all along. One day, the family will need help due to age or other issues. And at every age, you've likely gotten the impression that you were obligatorily serving them long before mobility chairs were entering the picture. Or maybe not. Maybe they've always been scooting around in freedom chairs, flying their flags high over the Grand Canyon. Merica. But family responsibilities and duties come calling in these lifetimes, leaving many of us with a big debate to untangle within ourselves, and often also amongst other family members, who are also usually problematic based on their proximity and engagement with the family system. Then we get to have this discussion within us, between our parts and all the opposing narratives in our own brains, as well as with the people around us who have their own very steadfast opinions and rules of engagement around filial participation, about what the right thing to do is. Number one, to take care of ourselves the way we know that we would benefit most. Staying the fuck away from these people. Contributing what we can financially or otherwise, but keeping our distance so our heads do not get sucked down the family gutter for an unknown period of time with a lot of rebound that's necessary afterwards. Or number two, take care of the person who needs it because it's the correct thing to do 
get ourselves directly involved in a hands-on manner, however it's required, because who else is going to do the job? Because it's right. Meaning, we're really deciding between number one, nonstop guilt and shame, shilt, imparted from the people around us and from ourselves unto us, severely damaged relationships, and a sense of alienation as a result, which might last for years or the rest of our lives. Or two, mental and physical destruction as we effortfully give more than we can, fall into anxiety, depression, fear of incapacity, sense of entrapment, and potentially suicidality, waiting for the obligation to end. Which, spoilers, also creates guilt and shame as we recognize that we're sort of begging for someone to either get better or die already so that we can be free again. And as you might imagine, these are difficult decisions to come to. They certainly don't feel like any winning options, no matter how we try to make the best choice for everyone. So I decided to ask, what's up with that? What are all of the narratives jangling around in our brains that complicate the decision so enormously that we tend to end up sacrificing our brains, bodies, and lives rather than doing what we know is best for us? Here enter six distinct philosophies on filial obligation that I believe are polluting most of our executive decision-making centers by way of subconscious absorption and later tainting of our thought processes. For this task, I found a paper on the philosophies of filial morality that we deeply discussed over in the exclusive podcast stream, patreon.com slash traumatized motherfuckers. Though the paper was slanted at convincing us that Confucian views may have some healing merits to them that our Western arguments do not offer, we kind of went in with an open mind, approaching the article looking for unconscious beliefs that we might be carrying and searching for some gold nuggets of wisdom among a lot of abuse-normalizing turds. And what did those arguments say? Well, the Confucian Eastern view is a bit harsh for the children, as we've probably come to find out by now. Children should support their parents separately, revere honor and obey their every word, give them bountiful offspring so the family blood don't die out, never dishonor the family name, which could mean so many things, and be prepared to physically and emotionally mourn the loss of the parents when they are gone to memorialize them. Plus, children should also pay it forward by paying it backwards. Lee, our author of note, says that by taking care of their parents, children are ensuring that their future children will take care of them. Let me say that again. If we, the offspring, care for our parents well, then karmically, magically, our offspring will decide to care for us. Yeah. So I've been calling that the indirect golden rule. If you treat people well who treated you like shit, 
then the new people who arrive on this planet will finally show you any care, love, or respect. That's how it works, right? Just make babies so that you can finally have unconditional love in your life. Great. Now, let's hit up those Western perspectives. Surely they'll seem more cohesive with our individualistic bullshit, won't they? Eh, kinda, but not all of them. We heard first from Jane English with The Friendship Model. She says that a relationship built on mutuality that has no expectation of return ensures that there will be filial care. We will just give back what we are given because that's how relationships work. Alternatively, she says reciprocity demands a repayment of favors, a tit-for-tat kind of relationship, which is what most parent-child relationships eventually fall into. However, she argues that favors only count if they are requested, and children cannot make conscious requests to their parents in order to be paid favors, so therefore, if there's no friendly, mutually beneficial relationship established, the law of reciprocity says children don't owe parents shit. Jane English, everyone. Next up, we heard from Raymond Belliotti, the contribution to self principle. You're going to love this. He says that because our parents contributed to our sense of self and our attachment style, we owe them everything. Whether those contributions were positive or negative is the major question, but he did not ask it. We did. Um, knowing that our parents contributed to our poor, fragmented sense of self and dysregulated attachment styles, now what do we fucking owe them for their contributions? Hmm. Raymond Belliotti. Nice jokes. Number three, Jan Narvison with the Prudent Investor Thesis. Parenting meets capitalism and validation of stupid fucking decisions. Jan says that because our parents sacrificed and invested their resources in us as children, they are due a long-term payout for their efforts. Otherwise, it would be, quote, irrational to parent at all. So, and I am not making this up, he says that the child must validate the unrationability of the work that the parents put into them by returning the effort. Otherwise, it would have been insane to procreate and make all of this work for themselves. So, we should make our parents feel good about that decision or lack thereof. Plus, since we children were vestibules for the resources of our progenitors, we must fork those resources back up with interest when the time comes, when the bond matures. Mm -hmm. Narvison. I'd love to tell you that this was the most problematic philosophy, but number four, Christina Summers with the conventional expectation thesis. <laughs> it's so messed up. Okay. She says that because parents expect their children to care for them in old age due to popular opinion on the matter, 
it is a parental rights violation if this unspoken and unagreed upon birth agreement is not upheld. And that's it. Parents expect care. You are trouncing upon their rights, regardless of how they treated you and continue to treat you if you do not oblige. So fuck this lady. She's out of her goddamn mind. Christina Summers. Finally, number five from the Western side, we have Jeff Bluestein with The Gratitude Theory, and he returns with some sanity for us. He says that there's a difference between indebted duties and duties of gratitude. If we're given care without expectation of return, it would be fitting that we express duties of gratitude by doing the same. If, however, we're given care with expectation of repayment, then that care is due back. It is indebted. That said, sure, you can force us to repay you if you're calling in debts, he supposes. But there are conditions for the care that qualifies as being repayable via duty or indebtedness. It must be, number one, non-mandatory care. And number two, accepted by the child. But since parenting is legally mandatory once the kid is in your possession and youngins don't have the ability to reject care, there is no debt to be repaid. Okay, Jeff Bluestein. What do you think? Diverse thoughts from this cultural standpoint, huh? But if you're anything like me, you've heard sentiments that mirror these ideas and may have even heard them emanating from deep inside your own mind at some point, too. Hence, with all of these culturally held beliefs floating around, I'd say we don't know what we owe our parents, or what's personally correct, or morally ethical, or if we... One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. We can say, yeah, screw these conventions. Uh, You treated me like trash, and I don't really owe you a goddamn thing. And the feeling that we cannot say that has a lot to do with guilt, which eventually led to this 
finding in another paper on the relationship between child-parent ambivalence and guilt. And the study detailed how feelings of ambivalence drive greater psychological unwellness than feeling strictly positively or negatively about parents, and that is mediated by guilt. So this is probably pretty relevant for a lot of us. Those who have mixed feelings towards mom and dad actually might have more guilt about whether or not we engage with them or participate in their filial care. We might be more driven to engage despite the fact that we do have these instincts saying, but they're not safe and we have memories to back it up, despite the fact that we know it will be to our own detriment. And if this happens, we can probably also assume that we will experience a greater caregiver burden as well. Caregiver burden is the felt weight of delivering care to another being. The perception of being inconvenienced, exhausted, and faced with many obstacles, more so than the actuality, the measurability of it. So if you're not exchanging these strictly positive feelings and reciprocal care with your rents, if your attempts at remedying ambivalent feelings with new behaviors and increased filial contact on your part does not create positive change in your dynamic, well, we have found that regardless of what's morally or culturally right or expected, you're more likely to perceive guilt and significant stress of caregiving burden, which can be debilitating. Well, unless you have a whole other perception entirely. Surprise. Our author Lee comes back with one more point from the Eastern side saying, maybe we don't owe our parents anything in the sense of repaying debts, and financially formalizing a relationship that cannot be reduced to such fiduciary ideas. But what if filial obligation was actually all about you, the child, and your best benefit? Hmm. He says, we are all born with the potential to self-realize, but it will take work. One of the ways that we must form ourselves is through our human relationships, which, as we learned all last year, require massive amounts of inner work and confrontation and healing. And in Confucianism, one of those relationships that we need to engage with in order to develop is the parent-child relationship. By understanding the sacrifices that go into both sides, we become more whole and wholly able to connect to each other. Therefore, Confucians believe that filial duty is mandatory for us to self-realize. Hey, fuckers. It's not for our parents. It's for our own self-development. Our own ascension. And what do you think about that? <laughs> some, some kind of fucking snake oil to convince us to re-enter abusive situations and stick it out for our own good? Or 
some kind of thought tool that could help to balance out a brain that is suffering through filial obligation and intense caregiving burden by making the situation a little less victimizing and more empowering by changing our perceptions in our circumstances. We're not sure. Honestly, the research results are highly mixed on whether or not a strong filial belief or a strong filial piety protects against depression or if it predisposes an individual to it. In one case, the perception of having a purpose and moral duty is a helpful resiliency tool. In the other case, the pressure to perform this intensive filial care to the expected degree sets one up for a lot of negative self-evaluation. So, the outcome seems to depend highly on the individual and their circumstances or the research study that you look at. But we do know that, namely, our filial outcomes are largely due to education and financial status, how much care children can pay for rather than directly give, and the quality of that care, how conflictual the caregiving role is with their other roles, the amount of time and attention that the filial obligation tasks take away from other relationships, the duration of those responsibilities, the relative ablement of the parents, the social support and the needs fulfillment opportunities that exist for the caregiver to be able to replenish themselves, to be able to continually give, and the nature of the relationship between the parent and the child. These are the components that we know influence the perception of filial caregiving burden and the likely results for the child. Straight up, the feelings of reciprocity, friendship, mutual respect, and appreciation are major drivers of filial behaviors. So perhaps it is not more complicated than that. And we don't need to make it so hard on ourselves with all of the shilt. Get what you give may be the name of the game, and it might be that simple. If you're wondering, the other pretty straightforward factor that does positively correlate with high-grade filial obligation behaviors is modeling. Seeing our parents take care of their parents. Leaving us to wonder, wait, were the Confucians kind of right about this indirect golden rule nonsense all along? Hmm. The jury is still out, but in the community, the strongest belief seems to be, I only owe you for what you contributed to my life. A determination for which those feelings of ambivalence might need to be worked through so that a firm decision can become to can become to rather than falling into guilt that then forces us into engaging with something that is not correct for us or for the other party but hey otherwise that is the philosophy that we all seem to feel most positively about 
If you want the full details of these six philosophies, the ambivalence-guilt connection, the power of perception on caregiving burden, and the community submission episode, you know where to go. Also, for the previous Filial Obligation series, back from 2022, in which we discussed filial anxiety, especially in traumatized families, leading to negative self-perception, leading to feelings of entrapment and defeat, leading to suicidality. It's all in the research, friends. Find them all in the filial collection of episodes over on the Project Patreon, patreon.com slash traumatized motherfuckers. And just a quick note that I feel like I need to mention. If you click on this button that says join for free on the Patreon page, it doesn't do anything. It will not give you access to the hundreds of prior episodes. You do not get into the Discord or any part of the community. This is this weird feature that Patreon forces your page to have. It's not optional. And it gives you literally zero benefits if you click it as a patron. So I'm not sure what the purpose is. And I just want to clarify, the Patreon is still running. I know I, I've been slow on this platform, and I've been absent on the public Instagram page due to all the other research and the creating of new platforms that I've been doing, but I am still putting out episodes on a super regular basis with the same hours-long research fervor as you've come to expect, and it's honestly getting pretty fucking good lately. Because I'm back in the swing of things. Patreon.com slash traumatized motherfuckers. Next up, we are returning to talking about narcissists. I know, again, because a fucker like you passed along a paper that blew my brain wide open in a good way regarding the concept of adaptive, grandiose narcissism. And all of the character traits that separate the pathological from the beneficial narcs among us as they relate to things like, again, perception, stress perception, emotional regulation skills, post-traumatic symptoms, intolerance of uncertainty, and five factors of resilience. Oh, it, it's a pretty good one. So many thanks to the muff who sent it my way. Looking at you, Alex. I hope you will also join us in discussing this post, not only on the traditional Patreon method, but also, maybe, via the maiden voyage of the first micro-community that's being released via my brand new platform creation. I'll tell you more about it as this little network gets off the ground, but let's say it's kind of a alternative social network and not the truth network and we are fittingly starting with talking about filial obligates and narcissism so you can access all of the research and community discussion around these topics in small closed door groups real soon hope to see you there but until we speak again here next time hail yourself Hail your freedom of choice, no matter what subconscious narratives and feelings of ambivalent guilt might be bogging down your brain. Hail Archie and 
Marcus Sharkus. And that's it. Cheers, y'all. Bye-bye. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.